0: Hi, everyone. I'm David Cade, CEO of the American Health Lawyers Association. Welcome to AHLA's latest installment of its Conversations with Leadership podcast series. Today, we have Craig Hunter from Coker Group interviewing AHLA's newly minted president, Rob Nicolini. Coker Group, a national healthcare advisory firm, works with hospitals and physician groups to develop customized solutions in five main service areas, strategy, operations, finance, technology, and compliance. Coker Group's advisors have the experience and creativity to find the right solution for any market and healthcare entity.
1: Thanks, David. That's great. We are thrilled to uh, be honored to do this. Uh, for the AHLA again. And uh, Rob, congratulations. Quite an honor for you. Thank you very much. You're the uh, the first labor and employment attorney to be the president of AHLA. How did you originally get involved with in the association? So uh, I've been involved in the HLA now for, for over 20 years, and it was uh, really just happy circumstance. I got involved in the first place. I was a, a young associate in a very large firm. I had been doing labor and employment work exclusively, but I was doing work for a, a number of hospitals in, uh, in Baltimore and the surrounding areas. And the head of our uh, healthcare practice group uh, reached out to me one day and said, hey, you should get involved in the AHLA. Well, honestly, my reaction was, why would I ever do that? <laughs> um, to me, the AHLA was a, uh, was an organization for, for healthcare attorneys, specifically for healthcare regulatory attorneys, uh, people who did STARK. And broad abuse. And it was also an organization that was, you know, it was focused on, on on representing providers. Um, But I viewed it as, you know, almost a very niche, narrow organization. Um, But luckily he talked me into uh, attending an annual meeting. It was actually down in San Antonio where my my wife's from Texas. So we figured, Oh, we'll we'll go down there there together. And, uh, and I was just blown away. I, I had no idea the scope of the HLA Um, I went to the labor and employment practice group meeting, um, met a bunch of practitioners who were uh, just like me. They they were labor and employment attorneys, uh, but they were representing hospitals. They were representing post-acute centers. They were representing physicians. Uh, But in addition, I also met a a whole host of people in different areas. became friends with some people uh, doing medical staff work, uh, friends with some people doing antitrust. And uh, and I I quickly realized two things. One was... Uh, even as a labor and employment attorney, the HLA had a, a tremendous amount to offer to right. me. Uh, but secondly, what I also came to realize was being involved in the AHLA uh, really increased my knowledge of healthcare and in practicing law, representing healthcare entities. Um, and it really increased my, my connection uh, with other colleagues in other areas who became incredibly helpful to my career. So uh, so I got involved in the labor and employment practice group, uh, ultimately became the chair. Uh, And then about eight years ago, uh, I came on board, and it's been uh, uh, hands down one of the best things of my professional life. That's outstanding. 20 years, it's uh, quite an accomplishment uh, from a timing standpoint. How have you seen the organization change over that time period? Well, you're making me feel old right now. So so, uh, so the AHLA has just uh, continued to grow and thrive uh, over 20 years. As I said before, I think originally in our history we were mainly focused on on representing the providers and specifically representing hospitals and health systems. Uh, you know, now our members are working really in every facet uh, of healthcare plans, as well as providers, uh, physicians, uh, medical device, pharma, the massive consulting world out there. So I've seen our, our membership diversify. I've, I've seen the clients and companies individuals we represent, diversify, uh, and I've just seen the organization continue to grow. Yeah, that's great. Uh, From uh, your involvement now as the president, I know normally there are some specific goals and objectives that Uh, that the president's come in with. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what yours would be and why they're passionate for you? Absolutely. And uh, that said, Dave and I always talk about the fact that uh, just because a new president comes in Uh, We have strategic directives and initiatives for the organization. So we we try not to have presidential goals that uh, upend the organization every year. That said, I did come in with three goals. All three, uh, we've tried to integrate with the strategic plan and direction of the organization. Um, The first is what I've referred to as strategic integration of our committee system. David, over the last several years, has done a a, a real good functional reorganization uh, of the HLA. In terms of staff alignment to make us much more efficient and effective in meeting members needs we in the last year on the board have addressed that from a governance perspective and we changed our committee structure to match up with the functional reorganization and uh, and we like to say this is the first year we're you know kind of taking the training wheels off right. uh and taking the bike for a ride so uh, one thing we're really focused on this year is is working with my committee chairs uh, to make sure that the, the board is working in a strategic way in alignment with the with everything our wonderful staff is doing. My my second goal is that the board this year is really taking a hard look at our value proposition. You now, lots changing in the healthcare industry, lots changing in the legal industry, and we want to make sure that what we're offering to our members is not only what our members want, but, but what they need. You know, right. what they need to uh, practice on a day in and day out basis. And so, as the uh, as the industry evolves, we're trying to make sure that we're evolving as an organization uh, to meet our members' needs. And then, my uh, final goal for the year: we actually in in Boston uh, in June this year uh, launched something called the HLA Twenty Thirty Task Force. It is a, a collection of leaders in the organization and former leaders uh, who have agreed to take a year and take a real deep dive on what is occurring in the healthcare industry and specifically in the health law industry and what we anticipate the industry is going to look like by 2030. Um, I, I am a firm believer, Craig, that we are really at the cusp, or, or in some ways at the precipice right. of massive changes. A lot of changes yeah. Right um, and especially in the, the legal uh, industry, um, they include, uh, developments in technology, specifically AI, uh, they include more and more legal services being provided by those who don't necessarily have a law degree or will practice in a traditional legal setting. They involve, you know, continuing pressure and issues in the healthcare industry, which of course is going to impact the health law professionals who are who are supporting that industry. So that uh, that task force is off and running. It uh, will actually be giving an initial report to the board at our mid-year board meeting in Nashville in January. And then our annual meeting in San Diego next June of 2020, it'll be providing a final report, not just on the uh, changes we anticipate over the next 10 years, uh, but how the AHLA can grow and change uh, to address all those issues. That's great. So the, the first decision was the committee uh, came together at the annual meeting in Boston. Right. And what size is the committee flavor of those involved? So, so I actually don't call it a committee. Okay, I'm it's, sorry. No, no, it's a, uh, it's a task force. Task force. Right? I, I'm, I'm a big believer in task forces because they have a limited life. The committees tend to <laughs> live forever. <laughs> That's right. So uh, so the task force was created with a, with a one-year lifespan um, so we could very efficiently address these issues. I, I don't want this study going on for years and years. As I said, I like task forces because they're a limited life. And they can also be very small and nimble. So uh, believe it or not, our task force only has four members on it. Right. Um, but what the four members are doing is they're actually doing surveys and interviews uh, in a wide range of areas uh, in government, uh, academics, uh, developments in technology, developments in large firms. So those four members are, are really drawing on a lot of resources, um, but hopefully the task force is going to be you know, small enough to, to accomplish a lot. Sure, absolutely. Well, with that in mind, uh, I think one of the reasons why you, you put together those types of teams or task sources, there are certain set of challenges that you see on the horizon. So you mentioned a couple. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Give us some of the things you see from an organizational standpoint in order to continue to thrive and grow in the future that you need to address specifically about uh, those challenges. Absolutely. I think all of the challenges, and and there are a lot of them, but they, in my opinion, all come down to one thing, which is that the the marketplace for the provision of legal services is changing. And the reason that it's changing is because of budgetary pressure, because of the need to provide services uh, for a lower cost. And so many of the developments that are occurring now are related to that. And, And we've been seeing that now in healthcare for you know in the last 10 or 20 years um, you know healthcare is under tremendous pressure uh, to provide better quality medical services uh, to provide better quality medical services to a larger population but yet somehow to do it with less money and and the only way you can do that is by achieving efficiencies well the same thing's happening in the legal industry and so a lot of the, the developments that are occurring I think are all you know, driven by the marketplace, driven by simple economics, which is how can we provide better service uh, to the healthcare industry um, of a legal nature, but in a more efficient way. And uh, law firms, consulting companies, pretty much anyone providing legal services um, are looking at a lot of different possibilities. Uh, one continues to be technology, and and not only the use of technology to be more efficient, uh, but also the use of AI. And, you know, AI has been used in a lot of areas in healthcare, Uh, radiology is one of them. Um, It is now being used on a test basis uh, throughout the country in the legal industry. Um, My firm, which obviously is a labor and employment specialty firm, we are now using AI on a test basis in several states uh, to actually help us analyze lawsuits against uh, providers and plans um, and help us prepare discovery and the litigation plan um, that, that AI is doing in 10 seconds, the work of what used to take an associate and a paralegal 20, 30, 40 hours to do. Yeah. Um, the second area. <laughs> we're in Baltimore and we're near the heart, so There's <laughs> just no way to... No way to hide the big horn blowing in the background. And here, here I thought that was a a signal. I was just talking That's too right, long. That's right. Right. Um, so it's very efficient for our clients, but it creates some real challenges for how do you uh, how do you react to that? But, but this, the second area where it's, it's really occurring, and, and again, something that we saw in healthcare, which is the provision of professional services by by non traditional professionals. Um, this is the same way that. Uh, family uh, primary care medical services are to an extent now being provided by physician assistants, right. uh, by, by nurses, um, by non-doctors. A lot of legal services now um, are being provided by those who aren't necessarily JDs, um, and that's not that's not a bad thing. Right. That that's that's just simple economics. Um, there is still and, and always will be a role for lawyers uh, in mm-hmm. health law and. In, and in providing legal services but lawyers aren't necessarily going to be doing everything that they used to be doing i i agree i think that, that is spot on well tell us a little bit about yourself outside of health law what do you what do you do for fun what are your some of your hobbies I, I, i'm a lawyer i'm not supposed to have fun <laughs> uh I'm here i here to talk about the uh, little, little uh uh, incident between the Ravens and the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as you know, I'm actually a, a, I'm a huge Ravens fan. Uh, one of our board members is from Cleveland, uh, so we've had a, a lot of discussions uh, this year, and uh, a lot of people don't know, but our CEO David is unfortunately a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So. Uh, All in the same division. Look at you guys just beating up on each other. Exactly. Yet yeah, yeah, we remain collegial. There sometimes. you go. <laughs> uh, so, as I said, I'm a Ravens fan. I love, I love football. Um, I also have a, a bit of a strange hobby. Um, I, I've been a lawyer my whole life, but even longer, I've uh, had an interest in magic. Yeah, uh, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually an amateur magician. Um, have been my whole life. Uh, I, I do a lot of magic for Why did I not know this? Uh, <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I'm good at keeping all right, secrets. All right. You work your magic. I like it. So, so we're going to see that broken out at a, at a conference uh, anytime soon. So I have actually, over the years, uh, when I've spoken at different HLA events, performed uh, performed magic. Um, I, I find that if I do that, that at the beginning, I tend to actually get better uh, better reviews. You gotta, you gotta speak. That's right. You gotta find the hook. That's right. <laughs> but I am uh, actually the current president of the uh, Maryland chapter of the Society of American Magicians um, and have been for the last five years. So really? Mm-hmm. Fine. All right. Um, you mentioned your wife uh, is from Texas. Um, any other hobbies? Things you like to do or things that you even see in your personal life that apply to your professional life? Well, um, so I, I'm lucky enough. I, I met my wife in college. Um, we've been married 27 years now. Uh, how she's put up with me that long is, is an open question. It's magic as well. <laughs> but we, uh, uh, we have three wonderful kids. Uh, my, my kids are, uh, my two boys are 17 and 20. Uh, My daughter's 25 now and married. That's great. So I'm I am very very blessed uh, to have a wonderful family. Yeah, very very good. The most interesting book that you read recently. Interesting book. Um, So actually, uh, one of our former presidents, Eric Zimmerman, um, who is uh, at McDermott in uh, in DC, Uh, Eric gave several of us a book uh, who were in leadership wonderful book. It's called The President's Club. It's actually uh, uh, the history of the ex-presidents in the United States uh, dating all the way back to Hoover and um, how they formed this unofficial President's Club since they're the only ones who can understand the pressures of being president. And uh, uh, Some really interesting things I didn't know such as Bill Clinton and Nixon actually became great friends after um, after their presidencies, uh, some connections that you would never, never think were there. Those two, yeah. Right. but it's a it's it's a wonderful book. Okay. I highly recommend it for people who like history. Okay. Well, before we wrap up, any advice or any closing thoughts for new members that maybe want to get a little bit more involved, or um, assume, or approach the subject of becoming involved in some of the committees of leadership? Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, over the last five years, um, I'm very proud to say that the board of the HLA has has really focused on the issues of diversity and inclusion. Uh, We've really made it uh, one of our strategic initiatives and strategic goals. Uh, We've said for years we're really trying to build diversity and inclusion into the DNA of our organization. Um, What I found over the years is that as an organization, we really are at our best um, when we make sure everyone's got a seat at the table. We want to make sure that everybody's voice is heard in the organization. Um, so what I would urge for, for all the, the young lawyers out there, all the young health law professionals, um, you know, anyone who's interested in health law at all, is um, come to a meeting, reach out to leaders, um, offer your services. Um, I think you'll be very surprised to find out that if you do, we have a place for you Absolutely. in the HLA. Yeah, I would even add to that, but, uh, we've seen over the years in working with the organization that many of your experienced members have been somewhat reluctant to even submit abstracts to potentially speak just because they, they are not confident that either what they have is worth saying or they're not comfortable in presentations, skill sets. But what I've seen is it's a tremendous opportunity and it's a very collegial group and it's a very close group. And, uh, I, I just encourage everyone to try to, to become a little bit more involved. And even if it's in front in a leadership role or from a speaking standpoint or behind the scenes and the support of nature. nature, it's a great organization. And we're very honored to, to work with you guys. Right. David, any closing yeah. thoughts or as we get ready to wrap up here? Rob?
0: No, nothing new to add. Uh, Craig, I just want to thank you and thank Rob uh, for spending the time and um, adding to our series of Conversations with Leadership. Thank you both.